Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello again to another extra special episode of From Dial Square to Wear, the Arsenal Twitter podcast. This is the audio of the special episode of my live YouTube show You Can Be The Star. This week I am very lucky as it contains guests who are podcast royalty. First is Elliot Smith from the Arsenal Vision podcast and second it's Harry Simeo from the Chronicles of Agunar podcast. It's an interactive show with great guests where we discuss the best of this week's Arsenal Twitter. The twist is that the viewer with the best interaction with the panel via the chat box has the opportunity to come on the show to answer questions and voice their opinions live. This week it was Ryan from the Mr. Arsenal podcast who joined us live. Please make sure that you are subscribed to the YouTube channel to catch future episodes. Enjoy! I apologize for the lag on my Wi-Fi connection which causes some issues to my voice on occasions which is something that happens unfortunately during a live show. Please stick with it as my guests have no such issue and I'm sure you will enjoy what they have to say. Thanks for your patience from your friend, Andrew the Hinkley Gunner. Please get in touch with the show on Twitter, at FromDialSquare or using the email address FromDialSquareToWare at gmail.com Thank you Gunner family. Treacle? People keep asking if I'm back, and I haven't really had an answer. But now, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. To, from Dial Square to Where. Um, got podcast royalty with me today in the form of Elliot Smith from Arsenal Vision Podcast and uh, Harry Simeu, obviously from the Chronicles of the Guna Podcast. Hi guys, how are you? All good, mate, all good. Elliot's royalty, man, I'm not. <laughs> Elliot. I don't know about that. You know, I, I'm the one who comes from the country without royals. So how can, how can I be the royal? It doesn't. doesn't yeah. <laughs> oh, you're, you're, you're definitely um, podcast royalty in the Arsenal Arsenal world. I love your podcast. Well, you keep talking that way. I'm come on the show every day. day. <laughs> oh, you're more than welcome. More than welcome. Um, but yeah, this is us. Um, anything interesting from Twitter content, as I'm sure you both know. This is a world where some people are, have crazy thoughts, some people are more steady, some people are funny, some people... Uh, so what we do is we pick up the best of the week's Twitter, discuss it in a bit more detail, so much in the 280 
uh, characters uh, as you're allowed on Twitter. So um, there's been a lot going on uh, this week. Now, obviously, we're entering the international break and it's going to go dead for a little while. Arsenal Twitter provides content, like I said, 365 days a year. Lots been blowing up this uh, this week. I think what I would like to discuss first, and it's actually one of your podcasts, Elliot, that I listened to today, which is the Schadenfreude podcast. My favorite. That was really entertaining. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, definitely one of my. I mean, I love that, and I love the Doomcast as well. Uh, <laughs> both are, uh, both are brilliant. I'll out and Ole out very briefly. Um, a couple of the tweets I noticed were potch out first and foremost. Harrison Myatt, who is at Myatt Harrison, making Brighton look like Barca. No passion, no desire, no heart. Watching my team for full of players that don't want to be there. I love him. Time for a change. Hashtag potch out. This is one of my personal favourites, I think. This one here, which is from at 1101. You effing happy clappers still want this loser as our manager? Fuck, fuck's sake. Even if we... Uh, he's got to go, the clueless twat. Hashtag potch out. All right, just, it brings you so much joy just when you've got five minutes just to search these things. Uh, um, and Manchester United. Last one, I've got Ole out from at uh, Owen Doherty. Two points off relegation. You know, happy smiling faces. Hashtag Ole out. Ole out. Bring Mourinho back with a broken heart emoji. It's just... Let's just expand on this a little bit. Sure. uh, Happy to. Can't put my top in plan because they (laughs) just make... How much joy are we getting um, from actually watching this crumble in front of our eyes right as we speak? Uh, I'll go to you first. That's the best. Yeah, no, it's it's great. The the thing I'll say is you read those tweets, and if I didn't know the actual hashtag, it could be Potch out, it could be Ole out, it could be Emery out. I mean, you know, the, the thing that's great about this season so far is that everybody is incensed all the time. There's there's a few pep out uh, hashtags floating around as well. So, yeah, I mean, it, it gives me tremendous joy. I think the 7-2 in the Champions League might have been my favorite game of the season. It says a bit about the season we're having and the football we're playing that my favorite games have been Spurs and United games, to watch anyway. Um, seeing Nabry do them for four goals is absolutely fantastic. So, I, I think it's great. Look, what we need... I get, there are some Arsenal fans that I think now want Poch to stay because the feeling is he's lost it, he's now a bad manager, and if he stays, they'll collapse. I couldn't disagree more. I think at the end of the day, he's still a good manager. He's dealing with hilarious dressing room problems there. I don't want to uh, commit slander on your on your podcast, but certainly there's some things going on in the dressing room that we've all heard rumors about. <laughs> so I think the sooner he goes and they, they go back to bringing in the likes of Tim Sherwood, the better off will be. I would say uh, potch out as well. And I look, it wouldn't surprise me if that whole thing just blows up over there this season and they finish like bottom half of the table, which I'd love. <laughs> me too <laughs> yeah now by the way i know this is being recorded so i fully appreciate Absolutely. that i could wind up Harry, looking like an idiot also... at the end of the oh, season. sorry mm. oh, there was that's just it. a little bit of a lag there that's all right yeah, sorry <laughs> um my thoughts on it 
Obviously, it's great to see as an Arsenal fan. You know, we always want to see Spurs struggling. Uh, we take great pleasure in their misery as they do in ours. So, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with enjoying it from an Arsenal perspective. I do think that with Pochettino, though, I think he's kind of suffering from maybe what we were suffering from a few years ago, where it's very easy to point the finger at the manager, but actually it's the club that's lacking ambition. It's the club that, you know, have moved themselves into this fancy new stadium and money is now the priority. Business is the priority. The Tottenham brand is is above anything they do on the football pitch. And I think the fans are really frustrated because obviously they got to a Champions League final, which is almost the pinnacle of club football. You have to win it, obviously, but they almost got there. And to see what's happened the, the following season is, is probably really hard to take. You know, I think Elliot's right, though. You can see that tweet being related to so many managers at the moment because it feels like this day and age, people are so angry all the time and so reactionary to certain uh, situations. And, you know, how, with a calm head, can a Tottenham fan be pissed off with Maurizio Pochettino? They can't be because before Maurizio Pochettino, you know, Spurs made fourth a couple of times here and there. But for the most part, they were outside of that that top four we were never classing them in that sort of bracket so he's taken them on leaps and bounds so I, I don't get Spurs fans that are irate with Pochettino clearly there is bigger issues at Tottenham than just Maurizio Pochettino yeah and I'll say one thing too I think mm. style plays a big role here because um you know he has been probably the most pressing manager since he arrived at the league his their pressing stats have been consistent the whole time they're there I think it is a style that requires a tremendous amount of buy-in from the players. And if you have a situation where you have players that are fatigued or you're dealing with injuries, they've had a relatively small squad. Uh, if it's a team that is having dressing room problems and they're not all working for one another on the pitch, his approach to football is one that can break down very, very quickly. We've seen it. They've struggled at the ends of league seasons, I think, precisely because of that. And if you look at Klopp, one thing that Klopp has done, I think that's interesting since he's arrived at the Premier League, He's picked and chosen, if that's English, his spots to press more. He he was a very, you know, the Gagan pressing thing was all his identity when he showed up. And now Liverpool's pressing stats have dropped and they picked their spots to do it, like against us in the first half when we played them at Anfield. But I think that allows them to stay strong throughout the season, whereas Pochettino's team struggles. So I think given his particular style of football, it's more susceptible to total collapse if you lose that buy-in. We saw the start of it at the end of last season, and maybe we're seeing it just continue now. Agreed. Great. But I I do think it's personally um, time for them to have a change at Tottenham. I think they've just gone stale. I think the... They, a team has a certain lifespan before it needs freshening up, and they just haven't freshened it up enough. I, as we all know, last few years, and I just think that sometimes you listen to the same voice every every day in training, telling you the same things. It just becomes um, monotonous. I think it, it would happen in any any job, in any kind of walk of life. Um, that sometimes it just needs a change at the top, and uh, I think it'd be a best for both to to part ways. But it's always reluctant when you're looking in from the outside. You just want things to carry on as they are for so for as long as possible and see them in losing to we are bad enough at the moment as Arsenal fans complaining about our results and we just need to say to ourselves sometimes at least we're not losing 3-0 to Brighton at least we're not losing 1-0 to, to Newcastle 
Um, so yeah, we just have to count our blessings, I think, sometimes, and uh, just, just take one nil to the. But um, <laughs> that sort of leads me on to the the next subject, really. About, I mean, there's too many tweets to mention everyone by name, um, but the dilemma that Arsenal fans are going through at the moment, and uh, whereby some people are saying we're, we've got to be really, really happy with the situation that we're in versus the other side of the coin whereby people are very despondent about the performances of the team. And I can see both sides of the coin. Um, I am personally really disappointed with the results, but uh, I mean, sorry, the results, I beg your pardon, but disappointed with the performance. And That's the one, yeah. <laughs> Dripping onto our performances with the tips of our fingernails at the moment. <clears throat> so actually just hanging on to them because you, you can't comfortably watch a match without being behind the, the sofa for at the moment. Any moment. So I'll go to you first this time, Harry. I mean, what's your thoughts on... Sorry, mate, you broke up there. Yeah, I've lost you a bit there, Andrew. <laughs> He's coming. He's on his way back. Well, what I are your he... thoughts, Harry? How, how do you feel about our performances versus our results? <laughs> um, I think in, in terms of the results, okay. I mean, that's all right, Andrew. Don't worry. We got, we got it. We got you. We got you. We got you. We got you. Don't worry. I think in terms of uh, yeah. the results, you know, when you look at the fact that we've been to Anfield uh, we've been to Old Trafford and we've played Spurs. To be in third is a very respectable position, um, which I'm obviously pleased with. However, my concern is that if the level of performance doesn't increase, then we may not be able to sustain that. And I think we were victims of that last season. I think that when you look over last season, you look at that 22 game on beat and run in particular, people got carried away. But in actual fact, Arsenal weren't playing that well. Arsenal hadn't shown significant improvement. There were a lot of draws in there, a lot of cup games, Europa League games, etc. And that masked over the deficiencies in this team. And then when it came to the end of the season, we never had that extra gear to go up. And in actual fact, we never had that gear at any point in the season. But the table was giving us that sort of false hope because of the circumstances around us. Again, I think we're kind of lucky that Manchester United are way off where they need to be. Tottenham seem to be in disarray. Chelsea, the way they're going, um, you know, the promising future and all that. But there will be, um, of course, inconsistencies in such a young side. So we have to capitalise on that. Um, do I think Arsenal will make the top four? Yeah, I do. I, I think it will kind of be by default, if anything else. But I also think that we need to increase our level of performance in order for this position, whether it be third or fourth even, for that to be sustainable uh, come the over the course of the season, and, and hopefully we end up there at the end of the campaign. Yeah, well said. I uh, I got to tell you, Harry. Like I I think I'm pretty clear that I have some skepticism and concerns about this manager. I'm going to go totally off brand and give you the opposite view, just just for the hell of it, right? Like the 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 argument for why it could get better and why maybe the the anxiety or anxiousness is overstated. So last season, if you think about it, we had that long unbeaten run. We weren't playing particularly well. The underlying metrics, the data, the performances were all pointing to the possibility that we could backslide. Having said that, right at the point where it looked like we were at least coalescing as a team, we lost some very important players to injury, notably Bellerin, 
which I think totally changed the way Emery wanted to play. Yeah. We lost holding, which meant Mustafi was playing more. It meant that we were we were a lot more vulnerable um, defensively. I think we started to make that switch to the back three, which I don't think was what Emery wanted to play. We saw when he first arrived, it wasn't what he wanted to play. Um, you know, Ozil and Ramsey were in and out of the team because of situations that, while I may think he handled them wrong, were a little bit beyond his control from a footballing standpoint. Then we hit some form. And if you remember, right after the international break in February, we came back and we, we were on our best form of the whole season. Not just getting per, uh, results, but getting performances too. And then we lost Ramsey. And he felt like the glue that was holding it all together. We had already lost Bellerin. We had already lost Holding. But he was kind of finding performances. And we lost Ramsey. And it fell apart down the stretch. So you go into this season and I think... Knowing that the loss of fullbacks was so important last season and seeing how poor Kolasinac has been. And I love Maitland-Niles, but I think he's been really poor this season too. Chambers has given us something, but I think we know he's not a fullback. If you wanted to make the argument for Emery, and I, I realize I have not been inclined to do that, but just to do it because I think it's important for the sake of balance, is that the return of the fullbacks could really prove very, very important, whether it is Liverpool or City, who we think are the best teams in the league, where would Liverpool be if they didn't have Robertson and Alexander-Arnold? I mean, I realize we focus on Salah and Mane, but Alexander-Arnold and Robertson, from in terms of ball progression and uh, you know ex expected goal assists and things like that, they are top, top, top of that team. So uh, if I'm inclined to give him the benefit of the doubt, and I'm going on long here now, it would be simply... To see what he can do with Tierney and Bellerin. We looked great in midweek against Standard. Admittedly, a poor Standard with Tierney and Bellerin. Um, so that plus holding coming back. Chambers maybe getting a chance to move into central defense. I, I, I think it could unlock it. But in order for that to work, Emery's going to have to fix the midfield. Because I don't think he's gotten that balance right yet. And a lot of that points to Shaka. So a lot of stuff in there. But I, I think making the case for him would be, we know fullbacks are going to be important. And we're about to get two very good ones back in the team. Yeah, that's a great point. I think fullbacks are really, really important in, in what Emery wants to do. My only concern is that, and, and I can't say this for Tierney because yeah. I'd be lying if I said that I'd, I'd watched much uh, of, of the SPL and, and Celtic. I, I'll be honest, I hadn't seen him play a single game before he joined Arsenal. But It's what YouTube is for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, but for me, Bellerin, we know what we're going to get with Bellerin and we're going to get lots of runs up and down the right-hand side. We're going to get... In my opinion, a little bit more quality in that sort of in that crossing position because I know people talk about Maitland-Niles being a midfielder, but I just felt that at times for a midfielder he was a little bit disappointed on yep. the technical side. So, so we're going to get that from Bellerin, I feel. But I just Harry? feel like no, I'm still here. Uh, no, I got him. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're, we're fine. <laughs> yeah, no, it just it just I saw I saw, I saw I don't know what's going on. I've got a really good internet normally, and it would be typical that it's uh, it seems to be playing up. So I do apologise. That's all right, mate. Um, I just fear that even with Bellerin in the side, um, where we know what he's all about, and it wasn't so long ago that Arsenal fans were getting on Bellerin's back and saying that he can't defend, etc. I just don't think it's going to necessarily improve us defensively enough. Um, and a lot of that is down to the midfield, like you said, because it's about finding that balance, finding a way of covering those areas of the pitch when you're giving your fullbacks the license to get forward. It's clear that Emery places a lot of emphasis on that. So if that's key to how he wants to play, he also has to find a way of plugging those holes and maybe not leave any centre-back exposed and forcing them to split all the time yes. and, and leave mm -hmm. gaping holes through the middle. So 
there's a lot of things. That I, like, I, I do take your point. I think they will improve the team. Will they improve us defensively enough? Um, I guess that remains to be seen. But I, your point is absolutely right when you say that is down to other areas on the pitch as well. Yeah, and Harry, just to be clear, like I, if you know me at all, I think you probably know that I'm I have been an I, Emery I, skeptic. <laughs> you know, so yeah, me I'm too. just I'm making that other argument, and and I think ball progression is an issue. I think it'll help Pepe having Bellerin in there, which he desperately needs that support, that other player to play off the flank. So it, it we're we're grasping at straws for performances. Thankfully, unlike those other guys, at least we have the points in the bank, which is yeah. you know better than nothing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Andrew, how's your internet holding up, buddy? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I, but one. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I do apologise about this, guys. So hopefully it'll, it'll be. But uh, um, I, I can't I can hear you. say That's that the, the one... I know. The, the one constant um, that's causing a lot of our, our issues is Granite Xhaka. And I don't like pointing the finger at one guy. He has been the one constant in all of the poor performances of our midfield lately. And I can't help but think that the introduction of um, Joe Willock being the uh, progressor and the runner, um, positive runner, uh, that would be the big. I like where that's heading. <laughs> like, to, like to hear the rest of it, Andrew. Maybe maybe try turning off your camera and just having the audio for a bit. If yeah. This. If it's uh, affecting... Leave the handsomeness to Harry. He's got us covered there. We'll do the audio part. And he, I, need, I, need a, I need a shave, man. By the way, I got to say, Harry, I think it's funny that you you referenced that you didn't watch any of the SPL, but if I if I look back there, I think I see a half-and-half half Arsenal and Celtic scarf. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, there's a, there's a funny story behind that. So I've got a projector in my man cave where I watch my football. Love it. And above that blind, there's a little gap. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the sun comes in and spoils the picture on the projector. So I had to find any shit scarf basically to put there <laughs> to block the light out <laughs> so i went with that one <laughs> i will agree with your assessment of the scarf yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right andrew where do you want us to go next buddy? or should we just take take the wheel i think i think <laughs> ole may be at the wheel yeah i was gonna say <laughs> <laughs> hey you know while we're waiting harry uh, one of the things that that i think we could at least touch on and have a laugh about real quick what's your take on uh what what is it? Wagatha Christie, I believe, is the hashtag. <laughs> have you caught up with this? Yeah, I have. I have. <laughs> um, it's incredible that uh, Mrs. Rooney has gone to those kind of lengths to find out who's leaking her stories. I mean, she should be a private detective for sure. Um, you know, I, I just think that if, if you put stuff on Instagram, then you're kind of asking for it to be made public now whether it's your private account or not if you want to keep something private you simply don't put it on social media um and and, you know it just seems like uh, rebecca vardy's had the opportunity to make a quick buck and uh she's uh she's taken it and it's it's, you know what if if, if this isn't an international break i don't think this is a story but we're all so starved of action it sounds about. pathetic but we could use something to derail lester though so i'm i'm, yeah. I'm totally fine <laughs> if this does it. i think so there's been a lot of memes popping up on twitter about it i, I did one that i thought was funny and it did no numbers so i guess i'm not as funny <laughs> as i thought i went with the the um good uh godfather meme you know any of you guys seen the godfather yeah, yeah, oh, yeah right? i didn't know until this day it was Bazzini all along and i went with i didn't know until this day. <laughs> it was rebecca all along nobody liked that but the one that did well was i think the underscore canon uh, he went with the VAR is checking. 
Yeah, I've seen and then it. it yeah. And then it said, you know, <laughs> the second bar screen says it's Rebecca Vardy's account, which was, <laughs> which was to be fair, was, was pretty good. Yeah, I yeah, got to give that... it to him. Good follow there. Um, by the way, I don't know if you've seen, you know, FK, FK on uh, Twitter? Yep, yep. He went cool. with a little, I, I don't know if it's piss take or not, but he's, uh, I think the exact comment is, uh, yeah, I have a p- peculiar feeling we will move for Mourinho. So, so he's currently getting ratioed to death over that, but I'm curious what your take on that would be. Andrew, you do you want to go in? Yeah, I, I, I do. Once again, apologise about that missing out for a, uh, a short while there. We got uh, you back. Now you said about FK. Who was he talking talking about? Um, Mourinho going back into? Sorry, us. Oh, us. You're joking. The, the Arsenal. Awesome. Yeah. Are you actually joking? No, 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 no. I mean. I'd rather. I mean, he's been so disrespectful to the club over the years. I just hate that man. I absolutely hate that man. And uh, I've got a feeling that his um, his tactics and his sort of the way that he does things is is been surpassed in a similar way to Wenger's was, and uh, it didn't adapt to over the years. And I think uh, Mourinho is very much along that sort of path. Mm. I I am very keen on Freddie Jungberg being the new manager eventually, whenever that may be. And I think uh, it's, it's been strong signs from the club that that's the way that they are sort of grooming him, if you like, to be the new manager. And it'd be it's difficult to say how he'd be, how he'd perform as the, as the manager, but um, I think the signs are there and who he'd bring in him, to have his, around him as, as backroom staff is yet to be seen. But I, I, I've got a good feeling about it. I don't know. I, I don't, there's no basis on that. Well, I mean, I, th- I think his argument, I think he was saying that, you know, like we're, we're really in bed with Jorge Mendez now. And so like, obviously he's a Mendez guy and there's, there's some links there. Look, given what he's said about the club and what he said about Arsene Wenger in the past and stuff like that, and the type of football he brings, like we're already sort of moaning that we don't have great football at Arsenal. And so like, maybe he could win with bad football, but honestly, I don't know if I want to win with bad football from a see you next Tuesday manager. So like, just give no. me someone else. Just give it a, you know, give 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 me some young guy with some innovative ideas who plays some compelling football. That'd be fine. I mean, obviously Emery's not going anywhere yet, but I I couldn't I couldn't deal with Jose. I mean, Harry, I don't know about you. I I couldn't no. do it. see. No. I actually despise Jose like most people, but I do think that he is a good manager. Um, I don't think he just became a bad manager overnight. I think if you look at Manchester United now, you can see that pretty much everything he said was absolutely spot on because the state that they're in, to think that he finished second with that team a couple of years back, mm. you know, or three years ago now, whenever it was, is incredible. And to think that, you know, they've progressively got worse. And I know they had a little bit of a, a surge when uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer went in. That was just the sort of extra energy that comes with the change, but they've slipped back down. They're in big trouble. Everything he said was right. Yes, he was disrespectful to the club, um, but, you know, we hated Sol Campbell when he played for Spurs and then he joined Arsenal and <laughs> became a hero and we loved him. And that's just the tribalism of football. It's true. If if you ask me who I think is a better manager out of Jose Mourinho and Unai Emery, and this might be controversial, their CVs speak for themselves. Jose Mourinho's had an incredible career. So, I think it's, I totally accept the point about his football. I just think if our football is going to be bad, which in my opinion under Emery, it pretty much is, then I want to get results out of it and I want to be defensively sound as a result of it. And my issue with Arsenal at the moment is that I see the pragmatism, 
but I don't see the reward of the pragmatism and, and that frustrates me. We still can see goals left, right and centre despite trying to play in a certain way. So, I, you know what? I, I wouldn't go to Mourinho as the go-to man, but if Arsenal were without a manager and needed someone to steady the ship for 6-12 months, I, I wouldn't be completely against it. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head, Harry, for me, when you said that um, if you're going to have a pragmatic manager, then you're not getting the benefits of it. And that's exactly how I feel as well, because we're being told that he's a pragmatic manager and we're not seeing any kind of benefit for any kind of uh, strength in, in the defence that we thought we were going to get with Emery. And we're getting boring football and the statistics are showing that we're not really improving at all. So I'd rather uh, have a very exciting football and, and, and lose most weeks than watch this turgid football that I've um, that we were all being served up with over the last few weeks. To be perfectly honest, I can't um, I can't stand watching the matches at the moment, and I hate saying mm. that. But apart from the the cup games, they've been great, they've been fantastic. <laughs> I've loved those. And um, like I said before, the the one constant, and it's not down to one guy, and I've got no issue with Granit Xhaka as a footballer. I just don't think he's a good enough footballer for Arsenal. And I I said this on a previous podcast, there's a few different types of um, midfielder in my book. You've obviously got your defensive midfielders and attacking midfielders and then wide midfielders. Granit Xhaka doesn't tick any of those boxes for me. What does he actually offer he's a, he's a good solid midfielder and he's got a good range of passing but when you're in the best league in the world in one of the top clubs in that league you'd expect a player to have good passing range otherwise I, why are you an elite footballer i i think that it's a little bit it's a little bit so in in the uk i think we're very hung up on this is he a defensive midfielder or is he a attacking midfielder there doesn't seem to be any real in-betweens when you look at when you take Italian football for example which is a league I follow very closely and and when you listen to the discussions and the debates that those guys have they often talk about uh, even more types of midfielders they've got a a far more um, specific identification system of what a, a midfielder is and how he should play and what he does and when I look at Granit Xhaka I see a deep lying midfield player and what I mean by that is somebody who needs to sit deep because he's not necessarily got the the ability to dribble and things like that in the final third needs to sit deep but is not necessarily there to break up play and make tackles granite jacker wants to receive the ball in a situation where he can look forward and play it granite jacker doesn't want to be coming to the edge of his own penalty area with his back to the opponent's goal receiving the ball having to turn left or right and not knowing what's behind him and you know if you think back to that Watford game where we threw away the two-goal lead. Do you remember the goal that Socrates gave away when he mm. passed the ball out? How can we forget? I mean, well, if, you know, that was that pass was supposedly going to Genduzi. But if you freeze-frame that moment when Socrates is about to place the pass and you... Thanks very much for listening. We really do appreciate each and every one of you. We really need your help to spread the word about From Dar Square to Where, so if you haven't done so already, please give us a five-star review on iTunes and Spotify. Subscribe to the From Dar Square to Where YouTube channel and hit the notification button so you never miss a live show. And finally, please tune in to the live shows. 
don't forget, you can get the chance every week to be the star alongside Andrew and his great guests just for being the most entertaining viewer on the night. Thanks again and see you on the next episode. Bye! Can I